0: Well, last week we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and we're going to repeat that passage of scripture as a text and complete the sermon on the throne room. Last week I said I was going to preach where I was living and the Lord is working on my devotional time, on my personal time with him. And this verse speaks to me, it's verse 16, but let us look as we did last week from verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-inspiring power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed In our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that in this life we may, so that His life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, text verse, do not lose heart, Though inwardly, outwardly, excuse me, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. The outward is wasting away, but the inward man is being renewed day after day. That's what the Lord has been working with me on. And in this passage, we identify that yes, in our lives too, there's an outward and there's an inward. And we mentioned a couple things last week that one of the hindrances to this renewing of the inward man is that when we get into the throne room, When we get that personal and private time with the Lord, many times we can get on a side track and not fix our eyes on Jesus, not focus on the unseen things, but about some of the things on the periphery. And we cited one of those external things is just to begin to major on something that is, is external. And as we major on that, we're in the throne room, we're in the prayer, but we're not focusing on Christ. And so the inner man is not being renewed. Oh, we're praying, we're spending time with him, but the... But the heart of the issue is to see Jesus. It's a place where we worship and adore him. The Apostle Paul purposed to focus on the inward and to renew the inward day after day. And we mentioned that the hindrances that come along can sometimes cause us to tend towards hypocrisy. And one of the things that that I enjoyed finding out in studying for this sermon was that hypocrisy does not is not born out of the spirit of rebellion. You don't say in your heart, I'm going to be a hypocrite, but it's born out of a spirit of substitute or out of compromise. And it starts with things that are things we're supposed to do. Coming to church and being involved, singing in the choir, teaching a Sunday school class, paying your tithe But you see, those things can be done for yourself, or they can be done, as we sang this morning, all for Jesus. And so the, the enemy comes in, and he tries to get us sidetracked any way that we can, because you see, if we live on this sidetrack and we're focused on the wrong element instead of on Christ, then we will, we will yet be a Christian, but we'll be ineffective. And we'll be frustrated because our lives are not accomplishing for God what we really want because why? We're not renewing the inward thing. Last week I mentioned also the 23rd Psalm. Thou preparest the table before me. That, that verse has just come alive for me in the last few weeks. I see that as when I come to that table with the Lord in the morning time. that It's He and I. Thou preparest the table before Before me. And it is up to me to feast on those things that He lays before me. And there are things that will feed my soul. There are things that direct my focus right to Him. So I see who's at table with me. He has invited me to come. And so keep that in mind as we talk this morning about those other further distractions that would, in our throne room, cause us to look to the right or to the left. And we miss seeing Jesus clearly. Well, one of the things that come, comes to mind, I've titled it A Myopic Vision of the World. That can be distracting. It's impossible to discover Christ and to renew the inward man without discovering the needs of the world around us. You believe that? that it's impossible to get acquainted with Jesus and to get to know him better and better and more intimately every day and not respond to the needs of the world. I believe if we do that, if we're renewing the inward, we'll become more and more conscious of the lost world around us. I think that's an evidence of being renewed. And we're only kidding ourselves if we if we begin to pray and get to know the Lord, and as we pray for the world, we do not love the world more and not reach out more and more and more and find that from our lives there's more giving and meeting this need and this need and this need and this need. Why? Because it's on His heart. And if we're spending time with Him and we're getting to know Him in this throne room of our lives, we'll, we'll find that, that we will be living the same way that He lived on this earth. I'll remind you that in Matthew 25, Jesus said this. They will also answer. Speaking of the time that we'll all stand before the Lord. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and a stranger and needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did to the least of these, my brethren, you did to me. The verse I read to the kindergarten kids this morning, God loved the world so much that he gave. And if we are loving him and our love is developing in him, we will have the same pattern in our lives. Was it not Jesus who told his disciples, in the same way that the Father sent me into the world, so send I you into the world. Even in the throne room, we can begin to... to to pray for needs around us without being changed. And we can say to ourselves, I preached two weeks ago or three weeks ago on deceiving ourselves. Sometimes this can happen. We, we think we're, we're doing a real good job, but if we're not being changed, if the Lord's not changing the inner, if it's not being renewed, and if I'm not challenged to be more like Christ in the throne room, I might be just going through the motions of prayer without really allowing the Lord to deal with the inner The inner man. Another thing I thought that can become a hindrance in the throne room is this. Anything less than complete obedience to the known will of God hinders renewal. Obedience. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? And I wrote this down. Absolute honesty is required in the throne room. Boy. If we're not completely honest before the Lord in our obedience to His Word, then we will fail to renew the inward man. The renewal of the inward means I look at myself through the truth of Scripture and I confess my lack of being like Christ. Then I wrote down little things. Really not little things, but we call them little things. God constantly gives us opportunities to do little extra things for Jesus. These things check our eagerness. They show how eager we are to please Him with little gestures of love. Delaying obedience, ignoring the Spirit's suggestion can short-circuit God's power in your life. Let me give you an example. Philippians 4.8. Most of you know Philippians 4.8. You might not know what's there, but when I quote it, you will. And nine, whatsoever things are true, this is an abbreviated version, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Then it says, in nine, it says this, whatever you've heard, put it into practice. Now, we, we have a tendency to read right over that. Couple with that verse, the words of Jesus that said, why do you judge your brother or why do you look down on your brother? Or on the directive from Ephesians, that says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God and get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and slander. Be kind and compassionate one to the other, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Do You know that I'm coming to the conclusion that nothing drains the inner person, the strength of the Spirit more than having unkind thoughts towards another person. Unloving words and gossip and slander at the expense of others and negative cuts, they rob uh, us of our power and our sweetness of God's love. Anything contrary to the love of the Holy Spirit is devastating to spiritual power. And we need to be sensitive not to grieve the Holy Spirit. With one critical remark, you can destroy the blessings you've received from hours of prayer. We cannot afford to grieve his loving nature. Now, when we read that verse, we think, that's a little thing but is there anybody here that doesn't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't believe so. Because you see, when we come to the throne room, we've got to be absolutely honest. And if we're not, we're not being renewed. Not the way God wants to. When we come there and, and we see these purses, and then we play back some tapes that we have recorded earlier in the week or in the month, we might have something to say to our Heavenly Father about who we are and what He really wants to do in our lives. And that's absolute obedience even in the little things. Let me give you another example. Out of 1 Corinthians 13, the Lord gave me this one just the other day. I said I was going to preach where I am. If you love someone, you will be loyal to them no matter what the cost. And I started going back over in my mind of some of the people that I have been, un, been under their authority. And then I began to ask myself, very honestly, now was I loyal to them no matter what the cost? And there was a time or two I had to say no. And then I had to line myself up with the word which said, if you love someone, And I said, Lord, I've got some things to learn about love, don't I? Would you teach me? And I, if I have trouble loving them, I've got some things to learn here too about loving you. And would you teach me? See, absolute honesty. Complete obedience in the throne room. We don't pretend with the Lord. And we don't put on a a superficial spiritual robe because He really knows anyway. And just like the song that was sung this morning, He's want to bring us through so that we can come through like gold. Absolute honesty in the throne room. The other one I wrote down was neglect of His Word. To know the Bible is not an option for those who want to know true inwardness. No one stays at the table long who does not also study scripture. <laughs> Calvin Miller said, Mystics without study are only spiritual romantics who want relationship without effort. But even in the study of God's Word, our souls must remain guarded against the pride of knowledge rather than the humility of Christ. Now, I'm talking about what goes on in the throne. The Word is absolutely necessary. I don't know about you, and you've just heard two examples from me. He speaks to me about me through his word in the throne room. But at the same time, we cannot just let it be a little Bible study and forget who's across the table from us and who wants to show us who we really are. I cannot be so caught up in finding the Greek of this and the and the Hebrew of that, and going through all the books and comparing this commentary with that commentary and become a scholar. There's a the thought, isn't it? <laughs> Without knowing Christ. It's the intimacy of Christ that is to come through the Word in the throne room. Bailey Smith, in his book Real Evangelism, said this, Far too many people have used the Bible like a medical student uses a cadaver. I don't like authors like this, do you? They examine it, he said, they dissect it, they perform surgery on it, they familiarize themselves with it, they learn its distinctive qualities. But as that future doctor cannot give life to the dead piece of humanity, so these people never get the word alive in their life. They somehow failed to remember that the people who hated Jesus most were biblical scholars and had scriptures over their doorposts and strapped to their bodies and quoted chapters of it when their narrow-minded interpretation supported their warped views. I've watched spiritual football games, and I've participated in them. Maybe some of you have too. I call them that. I, I don't have any other name. Where this person quotes a scripture, and, or two, or three. And then the other person quotes a scripture, or two, or three. And some things that have been debated for 2,000 years, they're worth quoting our scriptures back and forth to prove our point. And at the end of the game, at the end of the time period, every time it's been fourth down, we've punted. And so the score is zero to zero. And at the end of an hour, or two, or three of this spiritual football game, a lot of energy has been expanded, expended, but no one has won. But how different it is when we come hurting to the Lord and the crisis of life comes and we don't have direction and we open the Word. We say, Lord, I need You. I need direction. I need You to speak to me. It's with that same hungering and thirsting that we meet Him in the throne room. The throne room is not a study hall but a sanctuary. And we worship Him and we feast upon the Word that He gives to us for that day. I'm not advocating that we throw scholarship to the wind. If we do that, we're liable to believe anything. But with scholarship, let's not lose sight of Jesus. He's why we're there. And he wants to renew us day after day. Lack of involvement in ministry. Another reason. Now this one appears to be contradictory. You say, Pastor, we're getting into the throne room and we're having this intimate time with the Lord so we can minister. Well, that's true. That's part of the paradox of this one. But inwardness becomes true substance Only when we leave the table to serve. The same way the Lord did. What would his life have been like if he would just come to the earth and have grown up and said, well, my calling is to develop my intimacy with my heavenly Father and retreated to the mountains and there stayed in devotion for three years. We wouldn't have known. The Father would not have been revealed through him. No, he came. He said, I have come not to be served, but to serve. And to give my life. And so, in the throne room, He challenges us to do the same thing. We have to hear it. He did have those times with the Father. In the mountains. And they were times time when he and, just, he and the Father shared intimately together. But that it, it was shared. It led Him directly into ministry. Let me share one final point. The lack of focus on eternity. Is a problem in the throne room if we fail to remember our perspective on eternity. If we're only praying about those things that deal with time, we're forgetting who's at the table with us. We need to focus on eternity. Hebrews nine twenty-seven says, "It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment." Death has been likened to the Christian for the Christian, like the Jordan River. The songwriter said, When I come to the river at the end of the day and the last winds of sorrow have blown, there will be someone waiting to show me the way and I won't have to cross Jordan alone. See, the message of this book is we survive the crossing. And where we spend eternity is the key issue of life. I've talked to those And you have two that have no fear of hell. In fact, they've countered by saying, well, I'll have lots of friends there. Thomas Merton described hell this way. Hell is where no one has anything in common with anybody else except for the fact that they all hate one another and cannot get away from one another or from themselves. They're all thrown together in their fire and each one tries to thrust the other away from him with huge, important hatred. And the reason that they want to be free from one another is not so much that they hate whatever they see in others as they know others hate what they see in them and all recognize in one another that they detest in themselves and that is selfishness and impotence and agony and terror and despair. Eternity begins now. It always does. And so what what we are setting and then the... And at that throne room, we are really preparing for eternity. We ought to be occupied with Christ and walk with him and in wonder and contemplation of heaven. When we leave this life, all that will matter is that we prized our relationship with Jesus. A good question to ask yourself sometimes is this. The thing that really is occupying my mind and my heart, will it matter 10,000 years from now. And if it doesn't, and if it won't matter, there are more important things. I'm not, dis- I'm not saying that these other things, are- these temporal things aren't important, that they have no value. They do. But we cannot lose sight of eternity. J.C. Pollock in his book, Hudson Taylor and Maria, which was J- with Hudson Taylor's wife, describes this. She was at the point of death And it was she and her husband that were there in the scene. And she says, my hair, it's so hot. He says, oh, I will thin it for you. All the time he knew that there was no way to make her look the way she always liked to look in that Chinese way with thin hair. But her hair was tangled with sweat. And he began to cut it all off except for about an inch of fuzz. Would you like to have a lock of it sent to each of the three children? He asked. Yes, she said. And tell them to be sure to be kind to Miss Blanche and to love Jesus. Then Hudson stopped cutting her hair and he took her hand and he put it up so she could feel. She said, that's what I call thinning well, I shall have the comfort and you shall have the responsibility of how I look. Although she said it never really did matter what others thought of me. And realizing the motivation and what was between both of them, she threw her small spindly arms around his neck and kissed him. Later on that morning, A conversation began again, and Hudson Taylor spoke. He said, my darling, are you conscious that you're dying? She replied with surprise, dying? Why do you think so? I can see it, he said. What's making me die was her response. Your strength is giving away. Can she, can it be so? She said, I feel no pain, I just feel weakness. Yes, he replied, you're going home. You will soon be with Jesus. Oh, she said, I'm sorry. And startled, he said, You're sorry you're going to be with Jesus? And she said, Oh, no, it's not that. You know that for ten years there has not been anything, not one cloud, between me and my Savior. And he commented later, I knew in the depths of my heart that every word she spoke was true. Oh, she said, I cannot be sorry to go to him, but it does grieve me to leave you alone at such time. And yet Christ will be with you and will meet your needs. Soon after nine, Pollock recorded these words, that her breathing sank lower and Hudson knelt down. And with full heart, one of those with whom he wrote committed he wrote these downs, he committed her to the Lord. He thanked him for having given her and for the twelve and one half years of happiness that they had together. And he thanked him too for taking her to his own presence, and then he solemnly declared himself anew to Christ's service. As we go into the throne room. I don't know if you'd be conscious of it day after day. But we ought to be made aware that one of these days, the one with whom we are at table will rise and will ask us to rise and will lead us to another place. A place that out of his heart he has been preparing for us all along. He wants to share with us along the journey bits and pieces and insights as to the journey that we're to take together. And he wants to remind us, as, is, as comes from this passage of Scripture, did you notice how the Apostle Paul and all that was going on around him, the thing that he focused on at the end? Not on the visible but on the invisible. Not on the temporary, but on the eternal. If you ask the Apostle Paul, how can you keep your life on track in all of these things that are happening around you? The the inner man is being renewed day after day. He never lost sight of eternity. And that was his words of encouragement to them as well. We're headed for another place. We are not citizens of time. We are citizens of eternity. Yes, the outward is wasting away. But we have an inward. And one of these days, the mortal will put on immortality. And we will live with the Lord forever. Remember how he began that passage of Scripture? We have this treasure in jars of clay. How often we focus on the jars, without focusing on the inward. You know what the treasure is? We have this treasure in jars of clay. It's Jesus. And when we come to the throne room, and as we renew our relationship with Him day after day, He is the pearl of great price. He is the treasure in earthen vessels. As we live before Him to avoid all the frustrations and all the confusions and all the distractions, the only way that I know how to do it and where the Lord is teaching me right now to live is to be renewed in the image of Christ day after day. Are you giving priority to be with Him? And in the throne room, has it, is it a Bible study or is it a place of worship? Is it a place to vent your problems or is it a place to focus in on eternity to get things in perspective? You see, what goes on in that throne room really does make all the difference in the world. We are to be renewed. Sometimes, I'll confess, I've gone to the place of prayer and and ended up as frustrated at the end as I started with. But the Lord is teaching me that there is a way to be renewed. (laughs) And I've got to have this book and I've got to realize why I'm there And that I'm a citizen of time passing on to another land. And with that, the Lord is helping me. Oh, I'm not an expert on the throne room. I'm a kindergartner. But it's a beautiful place. And some of you know about that throne room. And some of you are finding out about that throne room. And some of you are longing to know more about it. Allow the Lord to be God, to be Lord in every area of your life. Complete obedience, even in the little things, And you will be renewed day after day. Let's stand together. I want Marianna to come and prepare for us to sing a couple verses of a hymn in closing, Living for Jesus, 335. And as she's coming, and as Karen is coming, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this service, Lord. None of us are here this morning because we've got all the things about a relationship with you figured out. And I'm so glad that life is a dynamic, that rather than following a rule book, you speak to us. And we live in loving relationship with you. But if there's someone here in this service this morning that's just gotten off track, And would like to talk to you before they leave and say, Lord, I want to make a commitment that I'm going to meet you in the throne room of my life. If I'm really honest this morning, I'd have to admit that I've challenged you for the throne. And rather than to check with you about this decision and that, I've just gone on and have done it. And then I've come back to you, Lord, and asked for you to bless my plan. But this morning, I want you to be Lord. I want you to direct everything in my life. I want to give my life completely, unreservedly to you and renew that commitment that once was. And Lord, this morning, I just want to come to you and have you forgive my lack of faithfulness. Lord Jesus, as we sing this song, we know the Holy Spirit is speaking. We can sense your presence here this morning. Would you give that one the courage? Oh, they've not backslidden. They still love you. But other things have just kind of pressed in along the side. This morning, they want to make an affirmation of their faith and renew a commitment to Jesus. There might be some here this morning that want to make a, a brand new commitment of total surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Whatever the need, Holy Spirit, we know you are speaking. We we now surrender this portion of the service to you that all could be done for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.